The Productive Woman, Episode 342. Hello and welcome to this episode of The Productive Woman. My name is Laura McClellan and this is a podcast about productivity for busy women. My goal is to help you find the tools and encouragement you need to manage your time, life, stress, and stuff so you can accomplish the things you care about most and make a life that matters. Well, welcome and thank you for joining me. In this episode, I will share with you my conversation with speaker, author, and public relations professor, Betsy Hayes. You'll find more information about Betsy, along with links to resources she recommends and the various ways you can connect with her online, all in the show notes for this episode, which you will find at theproductivewoman.com slash 342. Let's get right into my conversation with Betsy Hayes. I am so pleased to introduce to the Productive Woman listeners, Betsy Hayes. Betsy is a keynote speaker and author and workshop presenter who specializes in communication and productivity topics. She's also the lead public relations professor for the Department of Media, Communications, and Journalism at Fresno State, a post she's held since 1999. In fall 2018, Betsy took over as chair of that department. Uh, She and her husband are empty nesters as their two adult daughters are off at college and grad school, and she's always loved reading, walking, cooking, and baking. She says she's newly obsessed with yoga, and she is a longtime member of the Productive Woman community as well. I have really been looking forward to talking with her about how she's making a life that matters. So welcome, Betsy. Oh, so happy to be here. Well, I'm so glad that you could uh, take the time to be with me, and I'm looking forward to talking with you about how you're making a life that matters, but also some uh, some topics that are kind of in your particular wheelhouse. So we'll be getting into that. I gave a little bit of an introduction to you, but maybe we could start by you telling us a little more about who you are, where you are, what you do, whatever you think would be useful for us to know as we get into this conversation today. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm a a college professor. I always thought that education would be my space. And and it turned out that that teaching big kids was was where my my heart where my heart was. And so that's been a ton of fun. As you mentioned, I've been teaching since fall of 1999 and um, love to see my students flourish and blossom. And one of the wonderful things about the topic we're going to be discussing virtual networking is, is I'm able to stay in touch with with my students, even though I may not have seen them face to face in 5, 10, 15 years, but this gives me an opportunity to stay in touch. So lots of good stuff. Yeah. Your bio materials that you provided said that you are the lead public relations professor for the department that you chair at the, at the college. What does a public relations professor teach? Yes. So all about public relations and all about helping organizations use communication to accomplish their goals. And so public relations communication strategies can include everything from working with the media, you know, setting folks up for interviews, talking points, social media falls under the public relations banner, often events, internal relations, employee 
relations, investor relations, government relations. Um, anytime an organization needs to communicate with any of their audiences in order to accomplish their goals, um, that's where public relations can step in. So we have intro, advanced, writing, campaigns, social media, all of those courses to uh, help folks learn how to do that. So it's not so much advertising as, as maybe managing the relationships between the company and its various sort of constituencies or, or stakeholders, the, the people that work for them, the people that buy their products or their services and all the other categories of, of relationships that you mentioned. Is that, is that fair to say, or am I missing the boat there? That's absolutely fair to say. Yes. And, and in our department, we also teach advertising hmm. and um, they're sort of sister disciplines because often the public relations folks will establish the relationships and lay the foundation. And then the advertising can, you know, be a little bit more um, focused on, on the direct sales aspect and, and getting folks to, to do those types of things. So they're very closely related. In fact, a lot of our courses will, um, are now teaching both, both principles. Okay. Well, as we get into talking about productivity and uh, how you're making a life that matters and some of the things that work and don't work for you, and we are going to talk more about uh, your particular area of expertise soon, but I, I want to kind of lay some background for it and hear uh, how you're managing to do the things that, that are important to you. And I think it's always helpful to have a little bit of context for that because what works or doesn't work for us in terms of being productive and, and making a meaningfully productive life sometimes depends on what our life is like and various aspects of our life. So as some context for that, if there's such a thing for you as a typical day, what would that look like? Yes. We, as you mentioned, my husband and I are empty nesters. So, so things are very different now than, than obviously when I was a working mom and they were little, I'm a big fan of, of thinking of our lives as seasons. And, and this is a really interesting season for us because it is just the two of us in, in the house. So our alarm goes off at, at five 30. We are early risers. I have a morning routine that is uh, really important for both my sanity <laughs> and productivity. And, and overall happiness. And, and that routine includes a little bit of meditation, some reading and journaling, exercise, and a lot of coffee. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and then during my workday, I try to leave my mornings free from meetings as best I can, um, as that's when I really um, have my focused work time. And if things are going really well, I actually don't even look at my email until I've done one or two hours of, of what I call MIT's most important things. Mm -hmm. So morning, we, we take care of all that. And then at lunch, I really try to eat. I'm working from home right now, as a lot of people are. And so I really try to eat lunch outside if I can, if the weather cooperates, you know, giving yourself a, a dose of fresh air is, is so important, especially I find, you know, working from home. Cause when I was on campus, I spent a lot of my time walking, you know, back and forth from different buildings, but, but now I don't have that, that opportunity. And then in afternoons, we'll, we'll alternate between email, more MITs. My classes are in the afternoons. That's when I host most of my meetings. When I can, I actually have an alarm for another sunshine break around 345. I found that's helpful. And then before I close up shop, 
I really spend time organizing the next day. So, so when I, I get into to our office, I can be really focused in the morning. And typically, we'll shut it down around 6. And in the evening, make dinner, spend time with my husband, read. Um, often, we'll FaceTime one of our, our daughters, maybe watch some TV. I sometimes work in the evening, but I try not to do that more than once a week, if, if possible. And then because we get up so early... <laughs> Um, typically go to bed around nine or nine thirty. It sounds like a, in many ways, very similar to my life. I, I think you and I are at the same stage of life in that we are also empty nesters and, and I work from home. And so a lot of what you described is similar to mine. Although I, I, my ears kind of perked up a little when you mentioned an alarm, uh, in the afternoon for a sunshine break. This is something that maybe I need to add to my routine because I can see the sunshine through the window. I don't often remember to get up and, you know, go out there and enjoy it a little bit. Yeah, I highly recommend it. And one of the other things I've been trying to do is when I have phone calls that work, I, I try to take them outside and, and sort of walk around the yard or sometimes I'll even walk in the front yard up and, you know, we live in a court um, just to stretch my legs a little bit and, and also get a little change of pace and more sunshine if I can. Of course, most of our, you know, work is on Zoom and different video calls, but if I can talk someone into an actual phone call every once in a while, um, that helps us get a little more sunshine. Yeah, no kidding. So even at this stage of your life, I mean, every, every person's life is a little different, presents different kinds of challenges as far as staying productive, getting those things done that really matter to them. What would you say are your biggest challenges these days when it comes to managing your life? Or do you have it all figured out and you've got everything's running on all cylinders all the time? <laughs> oh, I wish, but no. My biggest challenge is, and this is a little bit odd in my opinion, but it's really implementing my own plan. Mm. So I have this beautiful, well thought out schedule. I, I really think about it and work on it all the time. And yet sometimes I don't follow it, which is really silly. And I definitely know that everything suffers when that happens, but honestly, that is my biggest challenge. And so how do you overcome that? I mean, I, again, that resonates with me because I'm very good at planning things and there are certain elements of my plan that, that I just don't follow. And then I sort of, you know, the tendency or the, 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 you feel like you want to beat yourself up a little bit for not doing this great thing that you had planned. Uh, how, how do you deal with that? Yeah. So a couple of things that, that have helped is sometimes when I'm doing my little evening reset, you know, I'll, I'll try to spend a couple of moments reflecting on how I feel. And typically if I'm feeling a little bit overwhelmed or disheveled, that's usually a clue that I haven't followed my plan. And so I can kind of, you know, revow to, <laughs> to do better the next day. Um, mm. So that's helpful. Um, I try to, I, I love to walk as, as you mentioned, and, and on the weekends, I try to really be purposeful during one of my walks and do a huge 
reflection inside my head <laughs> about all of the different components of my life. It's like, okay, well, how did you do this week on nutrition? How did I do this week on, you know, um, exercise? How is everything going with the family? How did everything go with the schedule? You know, and, and try to go, okay, you know, you know, give myself kudos for things that went really well. But if it was a week that really didn't go well, I, I try to go, okay, you know, what, what didn't work and, and how can we do better? So I, I try to do those check-ins. To, to help me get back on track. Yeah. I mean, that is so important. Uh, I think awareness is, is like the first step to, to making any sort of change or any sort of improvement in your life, recognizing what things are working and what things aren't. And uh, then you can make decisions about what to do about it. Absolutely. And there are sometimes, right, when we have to let some things go, you know, maybe we're having a particularly busy week upcoming and it's like, okay, well, all of my wonderful things that I would love to do aren't just going to happen. So let's make sure that, you know, that's acknowledged and it's going to be okay. And, you know, these are the things maybe that I'm not going to do. I think that's yeah. important too, to, you know, as you're always saying to, to give ourselves grace, I, I think that's really important, maybe even to do in advance. And not always yeah. after the fact also. Yeah. And then, because then it becomes a, a case of, uh, you're not slacking off, but you have made a, a purposeful decision about what you're not going to do. And that's as, I think as important as deciding what you are going to do. I agree. Cause then you can stop thinking about it. You can mm -hmm. stop feeling bad about it. Right. Cause like yeah. you said, you've made an intentional decision and you know, we'll, we'll pick up that particular thing, you know, in a week or so. For sure. I always love hearing what tools and techniques work for people. Are there any particular tools you like or resources that have been helpful to you in managing your time and the commitments that you've made? Yes. I, I have a couple of, of, routines or, or systems that work really well. And then I have two tech tools that I'm obsessed with. So one of my schedule techniques that has worked really well is that every day has a theme. Each workday has a theme. Mm. So that way I make sure that everything that's important to me gets attention. And I also know when it's going to get attention. So for example, Monday is when I spend tons of time, you know, doing course prep and, and those sorts of things. Tuesday is when I work on events that we are doing in the department. Um, Wednesday is when I, I work on department business is what I call it. And mm -hmm. then because there's a lot of department business, um, that's also what I focus on on Thursday. And then that's also curriculum. And then Friday is really for regrouping and, and setting up the next week. And that's my other favorite thing is that on Friday afternoons, I will put together a, a really detailed schedule for actually the next two weeks, which of course gets adjusted along the way, but it helps me really see where the challenges are going to be and also gives me time to adjust. I'm a big fan of, of confirming. So that's also the time when I'll confirm, you know, different appointments and meetings for the following week and, you know, um, making sure that, that everything's going to be on track. And what do you use to create that, that detailed schedule? So I love Evernote. I am an early adopter. I think I've been using Evernote, gosh, since about 2009. It's just a wonderful place to house my brain and all of my to-do lists. And my, I have a sort of a sub-to-do list for all of those different theme categories that I mentioned. So Evernote is where all of that is housed. 
because it syncs across all of my devices. So I am able to add to it, adjust it um, from my phone, from my computer, from my iPad, and, and it's always current. And I find that to be incredibly valuable. And is it set up? So this schedule, I'm, I'm kind of uh, fixating on that a little bit, because I just find that really interesting that you do that and, and what a useful tool that can be. In Evernote, is it set up as a calendar, as a chart, as just a list of date, times and events? Or how, how do you structure that? Yeah, great question. Yeah, because I this has evolved. I've I've done several different things, but what's working for me now is it literally is I'm a little bit of a linear thinker, and so mm-hmm. it, it's really is is in a list form. Um, you know, there's the you know week of blah blah blah. So this was you know March twenty second, um, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and what you know what are the things in the exact order that's happening on that particular day, and then. I have another Evernote that basically work between these two Evernotes most of the time. So I've got my very detailed schedule in just a linear form. And then I have my little MITs and Mm -hmm. that's um, also by day. Um, I use check boxes next to those things because of course we've all talked about how satisfying, right? To to check the little box. Um, And so that's where I put um, the most important things for for the particular days of the week. And so I sort of toggle back and forth with that. And that really works well for me. And I find that things don't fall through the cracks. The reason I do two weeks, I started with one, but I noticed that that wasn't sufficient because especially when you get to like Thursday and Friday, you're, you're already looking to the following week. So there needed to be that moment to adjust. And then like you, I love my electronic calendar. That's where I put all of my appointments to make sure that, that I know what's going on. And I use my Google calendar to, to put together these schedules. I hope that's clear. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yes, it absolutely does. And one thing that came to mind as you were talking about that, as you were describing that, especially your MITs that you've mentioned a couple of times, I I've been, uh, part of a conversation recently with a group of women who were talking about the question of how do you decide what is the MIT when most of us as women, you know, however, whatever, uh, you know, image you want to come up with, wear lots of hats, have various roles that we're in both at home and at work. And they they all have elements of them that are important. How do you personally decide what are the MITs for this week or this day of all the things that you could be doing personally, professionally, in the relationships that are important to you? How, what's, can you give us a, and I didn't prep you for this, but this just came to me as the question came up as, as you were talking about that. And I was thinking about this recent conversation, what it, what is your internal mental process for deciding what goes on that MIT list? One of the things that I have found is that, and, and you've of course talked about this on the podcast is that if it's not on the schedule, sometimes it doesn't get done. And I read something several years ago that, and the question to all of us was, if someone looked at your calendar, would they know what your priorities are? Mm -hmm. And I remember at the time, my children weren't very big. And I remember going, wow, if someone looked at my calendar this week, they might think that I don't really care about my children. (laughs) 
So maybe I need to kind of pull back on, on some of the work activities that I'm doing and, and, you know, those sorts of things. It was just really impactful to me. And so I try to, so, and this, I guess, doesn't exactly answer your question, but I promise I will. Um, so I, you know, my, my exercise, you know, is a priority. So I, that just goes on the calendar. So that way it doesn't have to be on the MIT list. It's on the calendar. It's something I'm doing. Um, I have a regular virtual happy hour with my oldest daughter to make sure that we have some, you know, time to, to really spend and visit during the week because she's in Florida. And then we also make sure that on Sunday mornings when I'm going for a walk, we also have a, another focused time. So no matter what, we know that twice a week, you know, we're going to have this time. And then also with my youngest daughter, her schedule is a little more fluid, but, but I make sure that, you know, we definitely have time to, to visit. And, and of course we text all the time too. So one of the things that helps with the not having to have so many things on the most important thing list is, is to actually turn those things into calendar items. Mm. And then the other thing I do is that I keep notes for all the things <laughs> that I want to do. And then I sort of look at these larger lists as I'm planning my weeks and, and pick the things that I know I can do on that particular week. So I don't feel, I don't worry that those things are, are going to get lost in the shuffle, but I also am trying to be honest with myself about how many of them I can do in a particular week. Yeah. That can be hard for a lot of us to realistically identify how much we can get done. We, I think it's hard to know sometimes or, or be accurate in guessing how long something's going to take. If it's not you know, an appointment or a meeting or something like that, but a task that we want to do, we tend to maybe underestimate how long it's going to take and we have too many things on the list or we overestimate how much energy or attention we're going to have to give to, to various things over the course of the week. And so being realistic and honest with ourselves about just how many of those important things can get done in a week can be a challenge. Absolutely. And, and I love how you mentioned energy because I'm a big fan of, of going with our energy flow. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there'll be times when I'll look at what I want to do on a Tuesday and it just looks hard. <laughs> and so maybe that particular day I'll look and I'll, I'll maybe do a little bit more of the Wednesday things and then flip flop it because that's just what I feel like doing as far as the energy. And, and does it really matter whether it was a Tuesday or Wednesday it gets done? No, it just that it gets done. Um, mm -hmm. so I, I think that we need to do more of that is, you know, going with, with what our energy is and not letting ourselves procrastinate too much, of course, cause that's bad. But, but if you know, you're, you, you know, these things have to get done and you're just feeling like, wow, you know what? That would be really easy right now versus the other thing would be hard. Let's do the East thing. Sure. And then check it off the list. Yes. With the little box. That's the best. Well, thank you for sharing those thoughts. You have such a great kind of practical approach to managing all that. And I love hearing how you're doing that. I want to make sure, um, before I let you go, that we get to talk about something that you brought up. We were trading emails about the, the conversation we were going to have today. And one of the things I really wanted to talk with you about and, and get some of your insights into is this topic you mentioned a little while ago of virtual networking. And I think it's such a, a, a timely 
topic to talk about. Still, you know, we are a year into, as we're you and I are talking right now, a year into uh, the the pandemics kind of changing our world here in the United States and around the world for that matter. And uh, as a lawyer, when I was kind of coming up as a young associate, there was a lot of discussion about business development and client development and the concept of networking and developing business through networking. And I always thought of networking in that context of trying to develop business. But A, I think it it's a much broader topic than just business development. And B, these days we can't go meet with people the way we used to, to get acquainted and, and to sort of expand our network. And so I want to talk with you about the the topic of virtual networking, but maybe start with what would what is networking and why should we be doing it? Yeah, great question. Because it, it, of course, the world has changed, right? In, in all ways, and and this is one of them. The way I look at networking is, I really think that our primary goal should be to cre- either be creating or maintaining, because sometimes we are creating relationships, sometimes we're maintaining them, but to create or maintain small, medium, and large relationships. Because when we have this multitude of types of relationships, that means we have a a broad and, and vast network. And when we have these relationships established, then when we need help, those relationships are there and people will say yes to our requests. So if our primary focus is building the relationships and our secondary focus is getting what we want, I think that tends to work better for for everybody. And this really applies not only in a business context, which I'm assuming, you know, with your expertise in the area of public relations, this is really relevant. But I think that it really applies in our personal lives as well. Without question. Absolutely. And one of my most fun virtual networking experiences during the pandemic has actually been with my my yoga instructor and the people I do yoga with. I mean, she is in Ensenada, Mexico, and there's no way that we would be connected if it wasn't for the virtual world. So you're absolutely right. All of this works both personally and professionally. And so if the concept of, of networking is to develop and maintain relationships of various kinds and in various contexts. And it's something we should be doing for reasons you've mentioned and others that come to mind. How do we do it now? Well, how is it the same and different if we're doing it virtually as opposed to in person? The goals are the same, I think. So that's fun. That's helpful. Um, But what's wonderful is that we have access to more people and more tools virtually. There are things built into the technology that we don't have access to when we're communicating face to face. Mm -hmm. Two examples are emojis which are incredibly helpful and fun. And we can talk about that. And then the chat feature on Zoom, for example. So the technologies, the different channels that we have to virtually network actually give us more opportunity to connect. So it's kind of cool. 
I agree. You have the ability to connect with people far distant that you maybe would never have the opportunity to be in the same physical space with. And so when we're talking about virtual networking, we're, we're maybe talking about video conferencing like Zoom you mentioned or uh, other tools like that. How, how can we leverage that technology? What are your suggestions for using that to build, maintain, expand our network? So the most important thing I think is, is to make sure that people know you were in the meeting. (laughs) That doesn't mean you have to talk the whole time. And in fact, it's probably best, right? If we don't, (laughs) but when the call is over, it is important for, for folks to, to remember that you were there and, and contributing and a couple of ways to do that. First of all, if, if possible, please turn your camera on. It's really challenging to, to be having a, a conversation and on, on a, a video call when um, you're looking not at, at a person's face. So, so for, the, um, for the benefit of those leading the meeting, please turn your camera on. The other thing it does for you is it gives you the opportunity to use your face, right? To use your mm-hmm. facial expressions. Um, you can also use other nonverbal ways of communicating. Um, but you can really accomplish a lot of connecting by smiling, nodding, you know, giving people thumbs up, you know, clapping, even if you're on mute, right? People can see you clapping. That can be very significant in relationship building. And then the chat feature is one of my favorite things. And I think that it really can can be beneficial if you are, you know, for example, on and doing a professional workshop, you can put in the chat, you know, hello, I always, you know, say hello from Fresno State or whatever. And, and hopefully that will start a, a little dialogue with people about where they're from. You can reinforce different things that are being talked about in the meeting, you know, gosh, that's a really good point. I've experienced that too. Or here's another example, or just, you know, thank whoever it is putting together the meeting. Thank you for putting this together. Um, but there's a lot of ways that you can, um, sort of have the side dialogue going in the chat that enables you to be able to connect with the other folks there. And then the reactions, which are kind of like emojis, you know, the, the thumbs up and the, the little confetti and, and the heart, right? We use the heart when people are talking about something emotional and maybe need some support. A lot of ways that we can use those tools to uh, connect with folks. And then when we're finished, if you have met new humans on the, the video call, it's a great opportunity to, to write afterwards, you know, connect with them on LinkedIn, follow mm-hmm. them on Twitter. I have um, really beefed up both of those networking platforms by, you can just take a very simple screenshot, right, of the names on the, on the Zoom and then follow up with people afterwards. And then mm-hmm. the traditional follow-up thank you note works really well after a Zoom call especially if you really did, well, please only do this if it's genuine, (laughs) but if you really appreciated, you know, the meeting, it's really nice just to send a follow-up note, letting people know that you appreciated their time. Hmm. When you mentioned turning the camera on, I want to go back to that for a second, because some of us maybe feel awkward on camera and, or setting aside whether we're working from home in our jammies or something, assuming that we, you know, put, put clothes on (laughs) street clothes on for the call. Some of us just feel awkward on camera and prefer not to have it on. And, but I can totally see what you're saying from a networking perspective, 
uh, that is from the perspective of trying to develop and maintain relationships, it's better to be able to see people. The, the communication is different and better. Any tips for, for those of us who maybe don't feel comfortable being on camera, but we want to present ourselves well, if we're going to turn that camera on? Yeah, great question. And there's been a, a bunch of really interesting research and there's so many articles and and this issue is a little bit gendered. They're they're showing that that women are are a little bit more reluctant to have cameras on than men. And so there's a bunch of things we want to fix there too, right? But one of the things that is helpful on Zoom, for example, sometimes what is challenging is that you're you're staring at your own face, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> for for the time and, and sometimes that's not what we want to do. There's actually a feature where you can hide self view. And that is something that I will do fairly frequently, particularly if it's a small number of people on the call. So that way I'm not looking at myself. I'm just looking at the people in the meeting with me. And and it's more like real life. And it's also a lot more comfortable. So that's a, a tool that I think people should use more often. And the other thing that I encourage people to remember is that, you know, in the before times, (laughs) we, everybody could see us right in these meetings. And so, you know, if it was fine, then it certainly should be fine now. And just like, you know, everything else that we worry about, we also need to remember that people are much more worried about themselves than us. And if that doesn't work, there's one more strategy. And that is... Just do it for the person leading the meeting as just an act of kindness to, because it's going to be way better for them if they can see your wonderful smiling face. Yeah. Great suggestions. So how let's get real sort of practical here. How have you used virtual networking, you know, in the last year, maybe when in-person networking opportunities aren't there what's a, what's an example of something you've done or a way that you've used this to your advantage, either professionally or personally? Yeah, thank you. I, I'd love to share two examples because I think this can really be, maybe can be applicable to, to other folks. Or one wonderful networking tool um, is, of course, email, right? We can certainly communicate very easily with people via email. And one of the things I've done since the pandemic started is, as you know, I, I, I teach at Fresno State and, and normally we are a campus community of 25,000 people. And my world has shrunk tremendously and I have not seen most of those people, you know, in over a year. So we have a campus newsletter that comes out every Monday that talks about the different things that people are doing. And there's a section about shout outs and great things people are doing. And I go through every single article looking for people that I know. And whenever I see something about people I know, I will send um, the article, which is a very quick email. Gosh, it's really nice to hear about what you're doing. You know, hope you're doing well. So I'm still able to stay in touch with folks that maybe in the normal time I would see once or twice a year, but now it's like zero. And I think that everybody can do that. Maybe it's a professional publication or, you know, if you're in a very involved 
in the local community, you can, um, you know, share news stories about people, but, but looking for, for things about others and, and saying, Hey, gosh, I read this and this is really nice and made me think of you. So that's one example that's worked really well. Cause I feel like I'm not as disconnected from the bigger campus community that way. And then the other example is, is through one of my professional associations that I hadn't really been involved in in several years, but they decided to take their annual conference and split it up into one hour workshops over about six weeks. And so I decided to practice what I preach and everything that I just shared with you on Zoom. Um, I actually implemented those strategies during these different workshops. I didn't know any of these people. And so, you know, I kind of commented, I sent follow-up emails. I just tried to establish relationships with these people, followed them on social media, you know, talked to them on Twitter. And now, um, I really feel like those people are solidly in my network. And I was actually, I got kind of brave and found out that one of the, the women were putting together this neat network of, PR clubs throughout the country. And so I actually was able to get the PR club that I'm an advisor for involved. And so that was really great. So my students now are in this network with eight other universities and four different time zones. So Mm. it's been, it's, it's, you know, it's work just like regular networking, but it's really worth it. Yeah. Excellent. How do you manage to do that kind of stuff in addition to the teaching and the the work related to your you know your role as the head of the department and all the other things you're doing how do you manage to get all that done i guess little chunks of time yeah little little chunks of time and just sort of being intentional about a few strategies i think would be what i would recommend to folks like the you know the monday newsletter i know i'm going to spend 10 minutes every monday doing that and sending emails to people every time i'm on a, a zoom call i i say Betsy, you got to make this count, right? And, and, you know, make sure that I, it's worth it from a networking perspective. On social media, I, I try to, you know, a, a few times a day, go in and really engage with people. And again, being intentional about making sure that I'm connecting with folks. And as far as other types of virtual networking, like text messages and different things, you know, again, just a little chunks, a couple of times a week. So it doesn't add up to too many hours, but it's little chunks frequently, I think is what's worked for me. Which, you know, when you think about it, I guess that approach applies to almost anything that's important to you that you want to get done. Yes. It, yeah. It's all about priorities, right? You know, there's that adage about how, you know, we all have 24 hours in a day and, you know, it's not that we don't have enough time. It's, it's just not a priority, you know, all those things, right? I think it's yeah. all connected. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this has been so interesting. I, I have to ask you now, um, you've described the the system you have in place and the way you kind of run your days and plan your weeks and all those sorts of things and the the tools that you have in place to to prioritize the things that are important to you and manage the the commitments that you've made but do you ever have a day when it all gets away from you or you just get you know completely stressed out and overwhelmed and if so what do you do to get back on track Yes. <laughs> um, yes, as we all do, you know, because we're all human. 
Yes. And when I'm feeling, you know, stressed or overwhelmed, one of my best strategies is I immediately start adjusting my to-do list and my schedule. You know, what can I move to another day? What can I move to another time? What can I delete? What can I maybe do 50% of the effort when my original plan was to do, you know, 150% of the effort. And once I I spend some time offloading, (laughs) I definitely feel better instantly and, and kind of feel a little bit more reset. Yeah. And and that just comes down to being realistic about what you're able to do. And that changes, you know, what you thought you would be able to do if, if things go sideways or, you know, you're not feeling well or any number of reasons why things can kind of get away from you or, and, and you're not able to do everything that's on the list, giving yourself permission to do what you just described can make all the difference in the world, can it? hundred percent. Betsy, thank you so much for the things that you've shared. Where can people connect with you online if they want to know more about what you're doing or more about the department that you're chairing there at the school? Where's the best place for them to find you? Yeah, so so probably social media at Betsy Hayes, B-E-T-S-Y-H-A-Y-S. That's my handle on, on Twitter and Instagram. I'm also on LinkedIn, so would love to connect with folks there. For the department, best thing is just to Google MCJ Fresno State. That'll take you right to us. Um, yeah, thank you for the opportunity. Well, and we'll put links to all that in the show notes. So if someone's driving and uh, can't write that down, you can go to the show notes for this episode. You'll find it all there. Before we go, do you have any last words for the listener who might be looking for a little help or encouragement in getting things done and making a life that matters as she defines it? What, What would you say to her? I was, yeah, I've been thinking about this and I think that we should see who we can lift up today. I think that if we, you know, looked around at, at who in our lives could use some love or encouragement, um, think about those folks and, and reach out and, you know, just send some heart emojis or make a phone call or, or send a note or an email. And let's see if we can start a wave of happiness by just thinking about other folks that might need a little love and, and reaching out to them. It obviously will, will help them, right? Have a better mm-hmm. day. And, and I think um, it also will help us as well. Yeah, I agree. Betsy, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. So fun. I really enjoyed talking with Betsy and I'm so thankful to her for taking the time to share with us her thoughts on how she's making a life that matters, some of the productivity things that are working for her, and for the insight she offered us on this whole topic of of virtual networking. It's something that I felt like was really timely given where we are in the world today and a way to help us develop a network of, of support, both professionally and personally. So I'm glad that she was able to come and talk with us about that. But what do you think? Do you have any questions or comments for Betsy or for me? I would love to hear from you. I know she would as well. You can share your questions or your thoughts in the comment section of the show notes for this episode at theproductivewoman.com slash 342. You can also post a comment or question on the Productive Woman Facebook page. 
But if you are a member of the Productive Woman Community Facebook group, please feel free to comment there. Betsy is a longtime member of the community, and I know she will be happy to engage with you uh, in a conversation there. If you're not a member of the Productive Woman Community Facebook group, and you are a woman who listens to this podcast, come and join us. We are uh, there having conversations all the time about all the kinds of things we talk about here. It's a great supportive place. It's just for women who listen to the podcast. It's a private group, so nobody can um, can see what who's in the group or what we're talking about, except those of us who are in the group. So look for the Productive Woman Community on Facebook and hit the uh, join button. Be sure you answer the questions. There are two or three questions that are asked of anybody who wants to join the group, and it's important that you answer those, especially if your Facebook profile is set to private, because I, I am kind of protective of the group. I want any woman who is a member of this community to feel free to join that group. But there are sadly people on Facebook who are not there to contribute and be part of a community, but just want to stir up trouble or be trolls. And uh, so those two or three questions help me make sure that you really are a woman who wants to be a part of the community and contribute there. If you would rather share your thoughts with me privately, you can do that by emailing your questions, comments, or suggestions to me at feedback at theproductivewoman.com. And I would love to hear from you. I think that's it for this episode of The Productive Woman. Thank you so much for spending this time with me and with Betsy. I hope you found something in it that is helpful or encouraging to you or both. I look forward to talking with you again very soon. So until next time, remember, extend grace to each other and to yourself and go make your life matter. Mm-hmm.